icebreaker you know i'm going to go back to vishnu sasranama and uh, you know talk uh, talk about uh, something what uh, what the person initiated in uh, in our uh, uh, sessions right and something like shravana manana nidhi you know he asked us to do that and i made an attempt at that so the first shloka in vishnu sasranama goes like this like vishvam vishnur vashatkaro bhuta bhavya bavat prabhu ீங்கிஷ்வம் the creator creates the creation and then vishnu is he permeates into it into every part of it so he creates the creation permeates into it okay then vashatkaraha is the third one is he is the one who is the subject of all the things that we do all sacrifices all work including eating he is the one okay bhuta bhavya bhavat prabaha prabhu he knows the past he knows the present he knows the future okay then vishvam vishnur vashatkarah bhuta bhavya bhavat prabhu bhuta krud bhuta brud bhavo bhuta krud he is the one who is creator and he is the destroyer and in the context of the gunas that we talk about bhuta krud actually talks about the two elements of the trinity right the brahma and the shiva so he creates and destroys in creation and destroy you know they're just uh, it's the uh, uh, same coin but two sides of the same coin bhutakrut bhut bhutabrud bhutabrud is the guy who he's vishnu who who sustains all that has been created the next one is bhavaha bhavaha is the most important thing in this in this particular thing it says bhavaha means irrespective of this creation that entity exists independent of the creation okay pure existence and that's the that's what we call it as paramatman or atman or whatever right bhutatma bhutabhavanaha then it says bhutatma bhutatma is the indweller uh, in everybody and bhutabhavanaha is even if you don't know that that the person is indwelling in you he will goad you okay he will move you on the path of the spirituality into perfection and as a cultured and human being that's what it means i'll share the link of my you know uh, uh, fourth fourth standard kid attempt at writing a poem doshian sridhar has a very nice uh, one for the first two words vishwam and vishnu uh, 
so Vishwam is all in one. Vishnu is one in all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, what I'm realizing is that you know, I think the way that they have codified all these uh, things in our mantras is powerful. And by the way, uh, I learned one more thing yesterday from this person, right? So, you know, I think Rajiv asked this question in one of our things. You know, what's the difference between a mantra and some other uh, uh, English word or some other uh, language, right? So, here is what this person explained. He said, you know, uh, if you uh, keep saying fire, 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 okay, Indian times, do you think the fire is going to burn you? Answer is no. Okay, even say a million times or billion times it won't burn you. But if you keep saying Vishnu, 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 a million, million times, it will burn you. It will burn your samskaras off. And you become that. So the, the mantra, the word itself has the potency. So that's the big difference between mantra and any other, you know, things that, uh, that we use as a chant. All right. We will... Any, before we move forward, any questions, comments, or feedback on what I uh, shared today? Okay, I take it as a no. Great. So, uh, as usual, right? Anyone can start off on uh, what we've learned in in in, the, in this current chapter. I know it's a, it's a very short chapter. Uh, and I set some supplementary information for you guys to kind of, you know, glance through it, you know, so anyone can start off anywhere with your comments and then we can kick off. Hey, Guntax, uh, to what Kishore was, uh, sorry, uh, Krishna was saying, uh, E pluribus unum is also out of many one. Of course, it is it is for uh, United States, but it's it's interesting that Vishnu Sahasranamam starts exactly what uh, the U.S. wants to do. Or thoughts I, on that? I, I I think I missed I missed the context. What he said. What did you say exactly? Uh, I didn't understand it. See, the, the Latin, I think it's Latin words, right? E pluribus unum. You'll find okay. it in every coin in the seal of the uh, of the United States. Okay. It's basically out of many, one. one. Oh, I never knew that. Okay, I should go. First of all, I have to go look, look at the coin now first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just look at any coin or uh, dollar or whatever. Yeah. Actually, that makes a nice blog post. I should think about it. Okay, good. All right. Anyone who wants to start today? Okay. So maybe, you know, I will, uh, uh, I'll kind of, you know, kick off this thing. Right. So I think, uh, you know, the way, the way that uh, I like this chapter is, is it clearly talks about um, a distinction between, you know, the Atma and the, you know, in the context of what we're talking about, the human personality. And the way that I have understood it is the human personality consists of the combination of gunas, right? 
Satvarajas Tamasgunas, that, uh, uh, that these, uh, you know, influence the way that we interpret even the external world and interpret the circumstances and interpret who we are as, as, as such. So the whole idea is, you know, uh, whatever that we do as work or uh, as, uh, uh, you know, charity or anything, anything, whatever that we do seems to be influenced by these three gunas, sattva, rajas, tamas. And, you know, maybe gunas is a pretty complex Sanskrit word, but this seems to be some sort of a disposition, right? You know, and the way that I have understood is, if you look at the nature, for example, right, there are rocks and stones, mountains, which so they have the dominance of uh, the tamasic guna. And then you have things like, uh, you know, uh, wind that moves or the leaf that moves in the wind and things like that, that are, you know, even people that move. And that, that means that there's a domination of rajasic guna. And then there, there is this pure ability to observe, ability to interpret, ability to synthesize data, which, which, is, which happens to every one of us, right? And that's the uh, sattvic gunas. So... Maybe at a very, very rudimentary level, I think I've understood it that way, but then maybe there's different levels of going through the gunas and, uh, and, and, uh, and applying it to every aspect of the life, what we would do, right? And that's what I have understood in this chapter. Say, okay, looks like whatever we think or we talk or, or we act, we can do it in one of the three ways, sattvic way, rajasic way or tamasic way. And the goal is to move to sattvic way because... That is the step for you to move beyond even the sattvic way. That's how I understood this chapter. That's a very good point, Rajesh. I, uh, when I initially read this, right, um, it didn't occur to me that it was tied to even even though um, the divisions are the same or the names of the divisions are the same as the gunas. I didn't quite tie it back to that, but looks like it might be related to the fact that whatever is predominant in you, uh, the guna that is predominant in your body and mind is probably what is influencing a type of action. So if we, if we are Rajasik predominantly, maybe in, in the way we perform the austerity or charity, it will show in the, in the way we do that. And hence that could be termed as Rajasik, right? That type of uh, dhanam, for instance, could be termed as Rajasik. I'm making that connection now. When you when you just mentioned it, yeah, yeah, and, and I can I can narrate this personally, right? You know, earlier uh, several uh, years back, um, I used to when I used to donate money, I used to feel good about it, and I asked, actually you know, I did not mind you know getting my name. In fact, there is a temple in Bangalore where we donated some money, and uh, I've gotten my children's name written on, the, on that big plaque there, right? This was you know 15. 16, 17 years back. But these days I feel really embarrassed to do that because I think it doesn't make sense at all. I agree. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. So if you, uh, you know, I went through this chapter and some of the notes, Rajesh, that you circulated. <clears throat> So I think a lot of it sounds quite intuitive, uh, whether it is Shraddha or food or, or Dhanam. I think the one which I didn't fully appreciate was the Yagna, the sacrifice piece. And uh, I mean, the rest of it, I mean, when you read it, you kind of, you know where you are and you're right. I mean, we need to all 
find a way to move to the left of that chart. But uh, maybe you know we can have some discussion around Yagna, please, because I I really don't fully understand that. Yeah, I think the way that I interpret Yagna in the current context, right? You know, you know, in the in the days of the year, I guess people people used to do those ritualistic yagnas that fire fire sacrifices and all that. But these days, I think the yagna is can be interpreted broadly, quote unquote, the work what we do, right? Now. you know if you just kind of you know replace the concept of sacrifice or the fire sacrifice with the concept of the day to day work what we do then we're talking about karma yoga there as satvik satvik mm. uh, work rather than see again work also can be done in multiple ways right you know um, uh, you can choose to do some work to put somebody down and you know that uh, yeah, get him get him eliminated from from a well deserved promotion and then move on to the next level that is the tamasic work what we will be doing mm. or it can be you want to be benefited and then you want to do whatever and then the third thing is you want the organization to grow the th- different three ways of looking at the whole thing so i would interpret that yagna as uh, work that's what i would think you know let me know yeah no no that, that that makes sense and again yeah i mean again if you relate work to the satvik tamas sorry rajasik and tamasik way yeah, you can you can say is it for a larger good is it for your good or is it for somebody else yeah ajay uh, i'm just looking at the book where is yagna talked about actually i don't think i came across that it's in uh, it's in rajesh's kind of uh, you know scanned notes that he circulated after last week last oh, week's okay. call okay. got it so he talk, i mean i sorry bye I will go back and check that. I mean, there are there are three shlokas in the in the seventeenth chapter apparently which talk only about yagna. Apparently, I mean, I I don't understand that, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's a little unfortunate that Swami Dayananda does not spend more, uh, uh, you know, pages on this particular book, right? And uh, you know, I think I think it requires some elaboration. I couldn't find, uh, you know, much more succinct than what I sent. That's why I sent that thing on WhatsApp. So hopefully, you guys had a chance to look at it, right? Yeah. No. Hey, uh, I remember in Swami Ji's lecture for this chapter, uh, he does talk about the yagnas and. Um, talks about them serving different purposes and uh, wh- when you do something then you can expect this as your end result uh, or this will be your phalam that kind of thing so i like the analogy to work uh, for our current day scenario no i think i think the most powerful the powerful uh, uh, insight that i had was you know in the past i i did not know that there was such a framework called sattva rajas tamas which you can apply to anything that you do but now suddenly that framework is there and now it's forcing me to think and say okay you know from where am i operating you know am i operating from here or rajas or from tamas right that's why you know uh, when it comes to uh, you know now i'm going to give a gentle plug at the chaturmasa right when it comes to chaturmasa you know the most important thing is you know avoiding this the the tamasic food you know rajasik is may also be okay because at, at, for different people at different level of their evaluation uh, evolution you know you we will require some rajasik uh, food to ignite some action in us 
right? But maybe for some other people, that Rajasik food may not be required at all. You have to go at the Sattvic food only, completely 100% Sattvic food. And that's very important. You know, we have to determine what our constitution is and accordingly choose the type of food what we want to eat. Yeah, and I, I recall, Rajesh, uh, you know, we spoke about the fact that we spent, didn't spend time on uh, Swami Dayanandaji's chapter 14, which is that three gunas, right? Yeah. Which kind of come into play in this chapter, clearly. And, and the way I have kind of uh, summarized it in my mind is, you know, does it help, uh, you know, a lot of people? Uh, maybe me included, but a lot of people or a wider community. The Rajasik being what benefits me individually, and therefore it is it is often associated with fame and you know telling people you know that I did it. And then the third one is where you end up harming other somebody else, which is the tamasic part. And that sort of framework sits kind of quite nicely in the way the your notes were circulated. Right, but but you know it. <clears throat> probably goes a little beyond that in terms of uh, everything in like matter is made up of these three gunas right that's that's how they explain it and where that kind of behavior comes from is also from what the predominance of eight uh, one type of guna in in what we are made of right so whether it's the body or even the mind um, one of the gunas tend to be predominant so uh, as we look into um, you know, our actions are spurred by our thoughts. And then the question is, uh, what spurs the thoughts? What spins the thoughts in our mind, right? And the, uh, the answer then would be that the gunas are responsible for it, right? So from the gunas, the thoughts arise. And from those thoughts, depending on what is, um, how pressing those thoughts are, we take certain actions. And those actions have consequences, Right. And then it comes all the way back. And those, uh, those consequences, again, kind of strengthen certain gunas in, in us. Uh, you know, we can call that samskaras, right? So that in turn spurs the thoughts again. So that cycle keeps continuing, right? So um, I think it's very useful to understand that also, right? And, and yeah. um, it helps in multiple ways. If, if it, it, it could also help in looking back and saying, if we had done something wrong, or said something wrong, uh, you could go back and think about it and see, analyze it and say, what caused it, right? And what led to that? And you could trace it back to, again, gunas. So that's why, again, we start to talk about the food we eat or what we do, because those all affect the gunas, right? So if you look at the food, then if you eat sattvic food, the body is going to be more and more sattvic and hence the mind and which might, which will lead to uh, a better chance of making the right action or taking the right action, right? So it's all kind of connected is what I'm, I'm seeing. Everything is connected in, in, in fact. And, and, and uh, Kishore, to take what you say, uh, what you said a little forward, right? And maybe this, this is an insight that, uh, uh, that I, I, I gained, right? See, I think these scriptures talk about this uh, Sandhya time, right? The time in the early mornings and mid-afternoons and evenings. And, 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 and the way that I connected the importance of that particular thing with this Satya, Satya Rajas Tamas is, at that point of time, the Sandhya time, when, when it is early morning or around the time transition to the afternoon, yes. 
transition from you know afternoon to late evening there is a time period in the day when the external environment is at a particular vibration level sattvic vibration level now the point is when you are uh, when you're flowing along in the river and you know it's much more easier to flow in the river in the direction of the flow right so at that point of time if you utilize that external sattvic uh, environment okay yeah then maybe our body will also get much more sattvic mind will get much more sattvic that's why they recommend you know waking up early meditating at that point of time at that point of time not doing any agitative activities right? and i can tell Absolutely. you i can tell you my personal example and i'm writing a spiritual fiction right now okay and the last one month of chaturmasa i decided i'm not going to meditate during the morning time and i'm going to write and you know writing fiction is like a figment of imagination you can just write whatever hell you want to write right i i started for one week one week i i i it was beautiful time you know i sat down and wrote but then i realized it was not worth it because i was you know when you have to write a fiction you got to go through you know ups and downs of your emotional cycle right because you're bringing out negativeness and putting it in characters and you know growing it and then take them in, you know going through a cycle right because you're playing the life of a character it did not work for me i said oh, that's not working for me you know i got to do it at later when the environment is not conducive for me to think be satvic right so i switched i completely moved back to meditation again in the morning and it works perfectly well try it you know try it yeah it works for no, you you are very right if you if you think about this right i mean um the environment around us is also matter finally and it goes through the transition between between these three gunas right so uh, early in the morning i think we can all we, we've all been there and uh, and uh, when we step out very early in the morning uh, they probably say one and a half hours before sunrise right so you can feel the energy in the uh, you know if you just go for a walk for 5 minutes you can all be- just breathe that air you you can see the difference between that and else uh, some other time during the morning so we are in resonance with that when we are also able to so the meditation will be stronger or we'll have a better chance uh, not chance it, it makes it the quality of meditation is much higher when we meditate around those times whether it's dusk or in the early in the morning and we can see that too even in evening if evening time when the sun sets and you're able to uh calm down it's much easier to do that than in the afternoon when there's a lot of activity right so even environment goes through the transitions between these three the it is predominance all three gunas always exist it's just the predominance changes and in the same way our body's predominance changes as well and we can observe it um and in fact this is one the understanding of the three gunas let me to give up uh alcohol um in my life for instance um because it was very easy to relate that to how i'm feeling and and then the understanding of that made it very clear that i cannot have anything more when i'm trying to become sattvic i cannot have something tamasic holding me back right and uh, uh, it was a clear choice at that point so i you know for me the three gunas gave me a lot of insight into into myself uh, and in how i feel and how the body feels that's very nice that's uh, that's really good and did did it drop off automatically or did you make a lot of effort to make uh, to drop it i i, I um so so a uh, full confession I, i i used to be a wine connoisseur i i used to really love it 
right? I mean, to the point of having a drink every day. I'm not kidding. For 15 years, I, I've had a glass of wine every day. And then um, that was my relaxation routine in the evenings. Um, <laughs> just one glass, but never more. But uh, two years ago, when I, uh, when I realized this, I, initially it started with, again, Pratipaksha Bhavnam, right? Of saying this, are you sure you want this? Because it's going to make you tamasic, right? I kept reinforcing that. I kept reinforcing that. And for a period of time, it, um, that, that grip it had over me slowly loosened and to the point where it, it came. Uh, and then I would go with friends who would, who would, when they were obviously drinking and it would be hard not to say no. So I would take a glass and it would be half a glass and then quarter. And then eventually it's like, hey, try saying no. And then it, it, it probably took me around four or five months. Again, it wasn't suppression that I must say. It was never suppression, never said, hey, I shouldn't when I really wanted to, right? If I really, really wanted to, I would have it. But then it's slowly, that grip gave away, right? So I think that's that subtle but important difference. It is not suppression, right? So um, understanding and the knowledge of the gunas led to Pratipaksha Bhavana, which is, which then led to uh, turning the cycle back uh, around that uh, thing. But now these days, it's like, absolutely not. There is, um, uh, it's completely gone. So it doesn't matter at all whether others drink in front of me or not. I, I don't even have that feeling that I want it. It doesn't even, that thought doesn't arise. So that's yeah. the, the burning of the samskaras, right? So I could see this in myself. I could literally uh, try this out in my body and in my mind and see what difference it makes. And I was, uh, I actually was blown away that it could happen. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Thank that. you for sharing. It's really helpful. Not an easy thing to uh, share and talk about in that manner. Oh, so. I know I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm completely all right with that. <laughs> and you would not, uh, Kishore, have it uh, now even sort of once in a while or I know That's a good point. I, I feel it's, it, it is fine if I have to want, if I, I don't want it. It's for some reason, for you know, I want to have a sip. I'll I'll gladly do it. It's it's okay, but I don't have that thing of I, that I want Desire. because again, that pratipaksha bhavnam of I know that if I consume it, it's going to make me tamasic. Do I want to be tamasic? Answer is uh, an emphatic no. And then why do I want it? Is the is the thought that goes on now? Yeah, it's interesting. Um... I was listening to one of the summary lectures of uh, Swami T and he said five things on the food side to avoid going the tamasic side or tamasic way. And he said, uh, non-vegetarian, uh, smoking, alcohol, overeating. And then he called something which I do a lot in between eating. <laughs> that was kind of yeah, that was very interesting sort of way, the way he put it. But yeah, I mean we all kind of do all of that in some shape or form. So yeah, it's hard it's hard to kind of wean yourself away from it. Ajay, you can't say that now after Chaturmasa. You have stopped in between eating meals. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not so easy, Rajesh. <laughs> I will confess. <laughs> I mean I, I try and do sattvic eating, but I still eat. <laughs> 
I remember actually listening to this and when Swami P's, I was listening to Swami P's Bhagavad Gita um, a few years ago. And I used to convince myself, yeah, Swami is very, uh, um, you know, overly uh, conservative. That's why he's saying no to alcohol. And alcohol is okay. Everything else, you know, I can. I, back then, <laughs> I used to drink. But then uh, slowly it although, although I have to say, he did say that, he did talk about briefly about the fact that Madira was uh, okay in even Vedic times. Yeah. And that, and then he kind of, kind of said sort of rather um, unconvincingly that even if you take Madhira, it should be offered to the Lord first. And I was like, I didn't kind of quite appreciate what he was, where he was going, but, <laughs> but he did kind of allude to that, which kind of gives some of us some hope, I guess. <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, Ajay to, to that point, right. I think uh, uh, if you, uh, you know, if you if you offer it to that Almighty, what we are trying to do, what we are trying to say is, you know, I am not drinking this for my own ego reason, for my own association with my body and mind, ahankara reason. Saying I am drinking it because it seems to have come my way. I am drinking it, and that way, it's you know, to Kishore's point, it will keep reducing your dependency on it over a period of time. After some time, you'll realize, man, if I am going to offer something to someone who is quote unquote, whom I respect, whom I value. Maybe it's a person or it's a God or whatever that entity or principle, you can offer something that is worthless, that is not good. Yeah. Then you will slowly say, no, I cannot consume it now anymore. And then that it will slowly reduce that impact of uh, consuming that particular thing. Yeah. The reason why they say for people, again, it goes back to Gunas. Maybe, you know, people are at, some of the people will be at Tamasic uh, thing, high intensity, which they can't let go of some of their desires. You do it, no problem. Do it, but offer it. So it's like a subtle hook for you to get off the. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point actually. I, I, I see that point. The point that probably that's what Swami P was making. That if you you will not offer it to the Lord, and therefore you will not consume it. Yeah, maybe. So, so in, in the in the context of uh, you know Madira, let's call it that. Sounds sounds much better than whiskey or wine. <laughs> Uh, how, how how do you offer it? Do you do you pour some in a separate peg, or or do you do you, do you, do you pour it on mentally? You know, mentally, floor mentally or, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or mentally? Well, I mean, you know, my my question is actually this is this has come up in a number of conversations. What is the objective uh, of of uh, you know not having that dependence or or on on food or wine or you know any any of these. Uh, so-called tamasic things, um, in that is is um, enjoying something and appreciating it, uh, you know, be it some food or drink, is that a form of gratitude? And and yeah, so 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 that's that's the question I've been thinking of. I do we want to be in a place where we say I don't need this, I don't enjoy, it doesn't make a difference whether I eat eat this or drink that or do we want to that you know it's a blessing that we have the opportunity to have it um and, and i'm grateful i get a chance and how how lovely that i get to have it i think the answer is in page 158 so last paragraph i'm going to read it the truth becomes clear to one whose mind is mature simple cool rich accommodative and ready to accept limitations 
a mind that has nothing to long for or hate that is abiding such a mind is not distinct from me i am that mind with that mind you will see the truth of what i have taught you will discover that you are sachitanand neutralizing likes and dislikes that's the key purpose in my view yeah but neutral so fair enough neutralizing likes and dislikes but neutralizing to a point that we we do we do we want to be in a place where we say it's okay if i get it okay if i don't or is saying you know what a what a lovely you know you have you, you eat something tasty you wear a nice piece of cloth and really appreciate for what it is appreciate the context the sacrifices that have been made to to produce that and be grateful for that and not overindulge so i get the overindulgence you know um so which of the two is uh, is objective here i th- i think uh, you know vivek i can relate that question right for example you know in my job when i when i go meet customers of course these days i'm not meeting customers that's a different topic if i have to sit down with a customer and drink uh, uh, you know liquor i'm okay with it absolutely fine you know i'm i'm not talking about uh, sorry sorry to belabor this i'm i'm not talking about whether you should drink alcohol or not whether you should eat meat or not or you know giving up things or not i'm talking about appreciating it as uh, they they appreciating the essence ah, okay. uh, be grateful for the opportunity mm. to have it yeah yeah, um, yeah. so, so okay. i get it that you know one should say that you know this 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 samosa is so nice i want to have the next three samosas Yeah. even though you don't need it and half a samosa is enough get that you know yeah. not to over not to go go yeah. after and become totally or or to get into a a strop if you can't get get that samosa uh, yeah. a second yeah. time yeah. yeah no i get it i get it. i understood so especially when it comes to liquor for example madira right the scriptural injunction is very clear it's a prohibited action you are not supposed to do it period so i i, I think vivek uh, it it gives you freedom okay it, and let me explain what i mean by that it the freedom in the sense that nothing there, there is nothing pulling you strongly you you have control over that the, uh, that substance doesn't have control over you i think that's the key thing where you are able to make a decision if i want yeah. it i'll have it if it's not there it's completely all right and and you know that it's not going to take you back into addiction or any of that sort right so it's it's that freedom of um freedom that you gain and that freedom gives you um obviously leads to a very calm mind right so uh, no matter the situation i think you can you can do that so and that freedom once you experience that i don't think you will want the uh the more uh the much smaller pleasure that the the, the substance is going to give you Okay no I I I mean I you know I don't want to hog too much time on this but I'll give you an example like yesterday uh VP's dear wife served us some lovely bangan bharta now nobody over here will say bangan bharta is forbidden right and I, that's one of my favorite preparations that made beautifully now should I be in a position as a result of all the study that I should say yeah it's okay uh, you know I'm not attached to bangan bharta or or should i should i say wow how how well made and uh, you know enjoy it and you know but but not go for the third helping i did have the second helping yeah. um you know Latter. so, so <laughs> it, it's it's it is the gratitude and the in, that comes from oh, enjoying yeah. it 
uh, is that is that also uh, sort of not allowed? Is is that a bad thing, or is that something we should get over? No, I think it's it's, it's all good. <laughs> I think Alpana was trying to say something. I have uh, two points. So one was, I think Bengan Bharta doesn't classify as Tamsik, so it's more of a Rajsik thing. So <laughs> I think it's okay to do. But the two points that I wanted to make, one was uh, the problem with having things like, uh, you know, what's... So alcohol is actually not prohibited. In Rajasik cases, the Kshatriyas were to have it because... you know to go into the war and you know having that sort of mindset to kill etc so it was I mean, krishna used to drink as well so so it's not that it's not allowed per se but not for others uh yes so so the two things which i wanted to mention was one was see you may be doing it that i am under control if i get it it's fine if i don't get it it's fine so i can have it but you have a sphere of influence the others may not know what your mindset is and hence sometimes these things are prohibited so that you do not uh, encourage others who don't have that maturity so the the paragraph that rajesh read so if they don't have the maturity and if they see you and they think it's fine and they will drink and they may not you know get the point of it and then the second thing was yeah you can get say a good steak and you enjoy it and say it in gratitude but it's the whole industry which is going behind it which will keep producing it so the idea is to reduce it because it is not good for the environment per se so it's, 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 it's totally agree sorry finish uh, because i, I want no, 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 no. those are the, those are the two points actually i listened to a lecture yesterday and there was a swami who didn't take uh, you know peanuts while walking he said i could have taken one i mean it's not a big deal but then so he is the guru who's who's walking and he said if i will take it everyone else will think it is okay to do it it's actually not okay so there are certain discipline which you would want to to showcase as well so he is above that he he is enlightened and he could have done it it wouldn't make any difference to his mindset or anything else but he wouldn't do it and there's a shloka in gita which says that so even after you are not impacted you still continue to work in a disciplined way because you are setting an example yeah sorry vivek those were my two points no you know it, exactly because i guess from my uh, what what takes up most of my professional time is we are thinking about what is sustainability right i mean because there's a lot of sacrifices that go towards anything you have a glass of water there's a sacrifice to it um because uh you know it's been cleaned there's some water that's been uh that's been wasted and clean in in the in the cleansing of it uh, there are, there are some people who cannot afford that water um yeah. and and so so you know to your point yes you know we there we are lacking today and more the more we develop the less likely we are to know the value of procuring something and 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 that's where i'm i'm my question is more related to what is the role of appreciation to be able to appreciate and be grateful for having something fine to understand the significance of the sacrifices that have gone towards yeah. delivering that to you uh, is is that is that 
acceptable or not in this in this uh, it is frame what of it, what you get you actually take it as prasad buddhi and you do appreciate it very well actually exactly yes. okay it does that's, that's uh, yeah even to the sattvic point actually even you know when the crop was cut you know there used to be prayers which used to be said and the permission was asked and the forgiveness seat before you actually cut the crop it was a you know it was almost like you know a gesture thinking that these are also living things and you know we would pray to them and seek their forgiveness that we'll have to do it for the greater good etc you know what we were saying that it is for the the larger society so all those things you may call it they are superstition or rituals but they had that gesture which showcased that even those things we are not having you know without appreciation yeah mm-hmm. it's all very mindfully done right. yeah because uh, even with the native americans right when they were because they would kill bison or whatever elk for for their you know to sustain themselves but they would do so in like they would actually uh, be appreciative that you know that this animal is giving us all you know it's giving given up its life so it could feed us and they would make sure that they used every part of the animal so they would use the hide for something they would use the teeth for something whatever right so they would make sure that they used everything so that it didn't give up its life in vain sort of you know so i think that uh, because i guess in those climates it's harder to cultivate crops yeah. and such and so they have to you know they had to uh, resort to uh, using wow. animals to feed themselves but they did it in a mindful way it wasn't just you know just going and killing all of them just because they're there kind of thing yeah so vivek i think uh, uh, the answer seems to be that yes i think appreciation is inbuilt in this and incidentally you know i learned about this and i was very impressed with, with that right in the quote unquote the indian house warming ceremony that we do right the guha pravesh i believe the mantras are so powerful it kind of you know talks about all the people all the uh, sorry it talks about all the you know insects and uh, the birds and you know animals that we would have displaced by building that house right you know it could be uh, you know the just the physical space itself or the material which goes into it and not only that you know construction workers who would have quote and quote maybe spilt even some some small amount of their blood in constructing it right somebody would have cut their hand and something must have fallen you know you you thank all of them you know it's yeah it all these things happened but you thank all of them in the ceremony is the religious ceremony or the so called house warming ceremony right that's actually house warming is basically thanking those people saying that because of you i am able to live here so thank you so appreciation is there in in our it's inbuilt what happened is you no know, i think we discussed in some other thing over 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 cultures and um, generations and generations once this thing started coming in the meaning of these things vanished because people did not understand so you suddenly go back today and say okay you know why do i have to go to temple and parents don't answer that as satisfactorily to the inquisitive mind because their parents have not answered it why because their parents have not answered it so it's it gets very difficult after some time and then say okay you meaningless ritual forget it i'm not going to do it i i think that you know this attitude of gratitude is really important 
And uh, going back to the, you know, neutralizing the likes and dis dislikes, I think it's basically you want to be at a point where you're, you're grateful for whatever comes your way, not just because you like it. You know, I think maybe that's, that's how I'm thinking of it. Yeah, like it or dislike it. Yeah, so it doesn't matter whether it's something I like or dislike, but I should be grateful regardless if it's, you know, something that's sustaining me, for instance, if it's some food that I don't particularly like, but I still get to eat it, I guess I should be grateful for, for that opportunity. And you hope you don't get to eat it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, eat it first and then you're served more because the, the host thing you really like it. You may not you may not take a second helping, but <laughs> yeah. Swami, Swami, the you know Swami Dayananda talks about in one of his uh, stories. He's a wandering monk, right? I believe he went to one house and that lady uh, she served karela to him. Okay, bitter god. And uh, Swami did, doesn't like karela. He ate it and then. The next day, before he go to another 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 person's home, that lady had already done research what Swamiji likes, and she had unfortunately called this previous person, <laughs> and she had said Swamiji ate karela. Next day, so he got karela. <laughs> the third day, he went to a third home. He got karela again. Should <laughs> accept it, yeah. So, so, so he, he developed a taste for karela finally. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a second helping of bharta is uh, bangan bharta is, uh, is is attachment right but detachment is saying thank you asking for blessings after the first helping yeah it's up to you up to each individual of us to determine at what mindset we are operating in the second helping or the third helping I mean, it was there. It was there to be taken. So just, just yeah. don't think too much. Just, just eat and enjoy it. <laughs> so I think the conclusion, the conclusion of this discussion is Girija is a great cook. So VP, <laughs> tell her that you know, no, yeah, it, next time when I come to Delhi, I'm going to have bangan kabarta. <laughs> no, you're you're more than welcome, but Girija is not the cook. Uh, we, we have a cook who's the who's the who these guys back also. So you're, you're welcome you to have. have to say that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. One has to be honest about these things. If you were Girija, yes. If you're not Girija, then no. <laughs> well, well that, so, so, so now that, that uh, Angan Bharata has recorded an eternity on a podcast now. <laughs> no, I was, I was just going to say that, you know, the way I have understood uh, this whole notion by practicing Chaturmasa and what uh, Kishore was saying and what Rajesh was saying is that uh, because we are all or most of us are novice seekers um, to, you know, try and feel uh, the Sattvic Bhav intensely becomes very important, uh, at least in my experience over the last five months to um, open your mind and open your senses to what is out there and which is equally enjoyable, healthier, and uh, really helps you, um, you know, be able to grasp things and assimilate things which scriptures are talking about. So I think that the whole concept of sadhana, chatushtayam, uh, is, is something I can see why scriptures say don't drink uh, Madhira, for example, right? Because 
if you are a commoner and if you are trying to find your way to uh, brahman uh, then you know i think uh, abstaining from these things from tamasic and rajasic things i can see there is a point in there and like what kishor beautifully described about you know not having wine um, and i have experienced the same thing um, you know over the last several months um, so so i think I, i i see that point is all i wanted to say and therefore you know abstaining is in a way helping you see things which are there but you're not appreciating them because you are so consumed with what you like yeah very nicely said vp uh, um a couple of things again uh, staying on gunas right on this topic uh you know we look at uh, the other understanding for me was the role of rituals and which i had completely dismissed and now i came to understand why we have some of these rituals from the perspective of gunas right so um what i came to understand is that you know the the rituals help us help to lift us from tamasic to rajasic right predominance what i mean is predominance right so when when by um, promising us certain things like if you do this you're going to get that even if it's very selfish in nature it's not for the greater good it's for your own good let's say even if that is the case it's it's telling us that there is no uh, the first step is to obviously move out of ta- tamas to rajasic right so can uh, you know by prescribing certain things like oh the ritual is for the next 7 days get up early in the morning and do xyz right and and if you do that then you're going to get something else right uh, you know it's going to give you uh, you know health and wealth in your household right something like that that spurs activity in in a person because there is and on in the on the other side it's promising the, the scriptures are promising you certain benefits for your own self so that spurs activity which is making you rajasic right so with that intention in mind somebody is going to get up early in the morning do these things you know make a make something do some puja or whatever it, it, the scriptures have to offer but what it does to you in the um, background is that it's making us move out of tamas into rajas because uh, and it tells you that it's okay to do that for a certain amount of time as you start doing things for your own personal benefit as well as with a lot of individualism in it right that i did i did even if you do that it's okay that's the first step but over a period of time you start to see that you start to uh, evolve from there into yes i i did it, i did this but i want to do this for a greater good right so somebody might amass wealth for themselves first but at some point they'll start to question maybe there is more to this maybe there is more purpose that i am looking for right and then they start to doing things for the wider purpose so still that individualism is there that i did or i donated to charity and what not but it is um now serving more people and at some point you even evolve from there on to to a point where it's more satvik in nature where i do this but i don't claim uh, um ownership of that uh, duty or uh, ownership of that uh, doer uh, or the doer i give up the doership as well right and it now starts to become more and more satvik so there is greater good as well as the doership is also given up so you do it then for work sake so then it becomes work as worship right in some ways right so there is a gradation of um going it's a spectrum 
of what is dominant in us. And we can aid that process by eating the right food, sleeping the right amount, uh, taking rest or doing other things. All that are, is aids in, in it's aiding in, in this process of moving, moving further and further up, right? So um, even now, even the values and the value the 20 values that we talk about, all of those things are helping in one way or the other, right? So um, yeah, I mean, finally we can explain a lot with, with the Guna theory in, in, in fact, and we can see this happening. Yeah, and also just a, just a, a little digression, right? And actually in the Gita, there is one uh, chapter which talks about caste system and gunas. And I don't know if- I was about to go there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Go ahead, Dad. You know, it's such a powerful one. thing, the way that yeah. the caste system has been implemented in the current society in India. And even recently, for example, you know, at Cisco, there was a, a legal yeah. case by uh, the, the by the city here, city of housing 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 uh, administration or somebody, if they filed a case against uh, Cisco because Cisco is discriminating against an Indian guy, an employee based on the caste, something like that. It is so crazy. But, but Gita says very clearly, Gita says that the caste system does not mean it comes to you by birth. Okay, it it doesn't matter in whose womb you're born in, you know, uh, what your antecedents and precedence is, but it's based on your guna and karma. Okay. What is the guna means? What is the predominance of this sattva rajas tamas in you? And what is the nature of work that you are naturally inclined to do? Right. We can see those tendencies, right. You know, uh, with people, you know, people, some people uh, uh, in general are born leaders. You know, you just let them, let the four-year-old kid go there somewhere. The guy will just rally everybody and, you know, do lots of, uh, uh, you know, uh, fun things around and make sure that everybody is aligned and all that. There'll be other guy who will be docile in one corner and, you know, he will probably read a book. You know, people have their own natural proclivities and that is the guna and the karma, what they're born with, right? And they're able to do and, and not do uh, naturally. That's a very important one um, and very important to understand this, right? So if you look at, um, uh, so it's all Guna Brahmana, Guna Kshatriya, right? Guna Vaishya and Guna Shudra, which is basically taking the spectrum and splitting it into, f and, and highlighting four points in that spectrum of between Tamas and Sattva, right? So Guna Brahmana obviously is on the Sattvic side of the spectrum. Guna Kshatriya is somebody is in the middle between uh, Sattvic and Rajasic where there is doership, but they're doing it for the greater good, right? Somebody who's a bureaucrat, for instance, uh, back in the day, it was like, or an, an administration, they're doing it for the wider, um, uh, what do you say, good of the society, but there is still a lot of doership in them, right? And then as you go further down, uh, Guna Vaishya are people who are doing a lot of work but for their own benefit, right? And then on the Guna Shudra side are people who are not motivated to do the work, right? So now this has nothing to do with who you were born to. It has everything to do with what our Guna predominance is, right? And it is laid out so that we can understand where we stand in the spectrum, right? Who we are and, and for our own self-analysis, of we don't even have to tell anybody where we stand in the spectrum, but it's for us to understand where we where we are. 
because um, you can use this to figure out what you should be doing in, in your career, in what you should be, what, because it's your nature, because this is going to allow you to say, I'm actually a, a, more of a, let's say, a gunashatri. I'm, a, I'm a, this type of person, a go-getter. I, I, I like to meet with people. I like uh, to be in the middle of things and whatnot. If that's my nature, then finding a job that requires that kind of skill set would be, would be really, really good. It's going to help me, um, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it is in line with what my nature is. As against somebody who is more of a, of a thinker, uh, in a, who is more into introspection, and, and then that person does certain other things, right? So based on this, the, the tasks in the society were also kind of laid out saying, hey, figure out who you are and, and do that kind of task, right? Uh, unfortunately, there was a plan B that was mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita, which is that, okay, if you're not able to figure, uh, do a self-analysis and figure out where you stand in the spectrum, then go by the birth. Yeah. Because if your uh, um, family is into uh, making, you know, let's say gold ornaments or something, then that's probably a good uh, vocation for you or good type of work for you and so on, right? It was a plan B in case you're not able to figure out based on your self-analysis. Well, everybody took the second part as the, uh, they completely forgot the tough one, which, which is the tough one, right? The first one is not easy to do. Uh, the, the easier one is to figure out, hey, who I must respond to? That's very clear. Let's take the second one and make this entire caste system based on that, which, is, which stayed for years and yawns, in fact, uh, completely. Uh, and nobody talks about the, the, the plan A, which was laid out so beautifully. That's the unfortunate part. That, that is so, so deep and uh, so relevant in today's, uh, you know, particularly in India, in the Indian sort of society. You're absolutely right. I mean, it, it should have no relevance as to who you're born to. It all depends on what is your sort of composition of your of your inclinations. Actually, Gita doesn't say anywhere it is by birth. Really? It doesn't. Are you sure about that? Yeah, I, I remember yeah. Swami uh, P explaining this because he had to preface it by saying, okay, I'm going to delve into a topic which might be controversial. And then he said, he laid this out. <laughs> um, but I'll go back Pen and check can also. Actually checked as well. It doesn't say, but I think what happened, because yeah, when I learned it from Guruji, he also mentioned that it's a topic which people will not like about castes, etc. But he said, you know, eventually what happened is if you establish a business, you want your son to be doing that. And, you know, it became more of you're literally forced into doing it because who will look after this business after me sort of a thing. And then I know this skill. So, why don't I teach you this? Where will you go? So it became more, but I don't think Gita mentions it. It is actually by gunas, uh, not by birth. Uh, is I, yeah, I'll, I'll also go back and find out. Because yeah, I remember... actually, Alpana, you're right. Gita does not say it is by birth. What, what it says is uh, that, you know, this is by gunas and karmas. But typically yeah. what happens is the influence of heredity is so strong and so strong in us, whether we like it or not, you know, the natural tendency is like what, Kishore, what you explain. Yeah. Hmm. It so says that perhaps Maya that's what it says. Okay. Yeah. It's not they don't want to work, but they don't want to, you know, it's more like data entry kind of job where 
you know, you're given a task and you'll do it. You'll not tell me what to do. Beyond your this thing, yeah. Yeah. Correct. Right. At this point of time, right? At this point of time, you know, I I do not know how many of you, you know, read what I wrote about a week back. You know, asking asking to try out, you know, the psychometric test MBTI. Okay, you should do it. For your own interest, please do not reveal that information about. what that thing reveals to like what i openly shared with you about my personality type you know you may you may choose to do it you may not choose to do it but uh, it's up to you but my point is it gives you good insights about what your natural uh, uh, strengths are and i think that will that will kind of give you maybe not everything you know it's not the 100% accurate test just by asking questions for 10 minutes nobody can evaluate a personality but it will give you good indication and i have done this test at least uh, in 1991 i did when i did uh, when i joined air force when i uh, when i did a uh, post interview at the time they made me do it personality psychometric test and i've been doing it consistently only in the last 4 5 years my personality type has changed till that time it has not changed yeah that is interesting i mean it 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 can change over time it is, it is not it is not a not a constant yeah it will change it has to change otherwise you know stagnant stagnant water you know no, fair point, useless yeah. Yeah. it has to flow because i've done because i've done this before and you know a lot of these people would say oh you've done this before then it, you don't need to do it again but yeah i mean it will change over time so it's worth it hey uh, there is some background uh, music <laughs> while i'm talking so uh, just pardon that but the one thing i wanted to mention if you go back to bia chopra's mahabharata which we used to watch in the common rooms very religiously uh, every sunday morning <clears throat> so the first uh, episode there was about bharata right rajbabar he was uh, bharat and he decided that his son will not be king because he's just not suited to be king and his he really his mom gets very upset with him and she says oh, you you cannot do this this is the tradition and all that and he says well this guy can't do the job so why why should i do that and that's the start of mahabharata itself which goes directly to what the gita is talking about so and and i also remember uh, to alpana's point uh, when i was hearing about the the four uh, the the guna uh, split and the uh, what you become through your profession and so forth uh, i i don't actually remember swami g uh, i haven't heard swami p's lectures but swami g he never gets into the caste system he mentions that you know it, it's it might have gone away in a different direction something like that. yeah swami p actually uh, goes into a little bit more but he prefaces it you know in a very big way saying when i mentioned this word please don't take it as anything else because that's because that's what we are currently used to when you say uh some uh, you know let's say the word shudra it means certain things so he wanted to change that perception in us right because we we are used to something else the moment you hear, hear the word uh, what we hear in our mind is something else so completely changes that right um and again it comes down to another important point which is if you do because we all have to do certain things and we spend a lot of time in the daytime doing that or um a big part of our life in doing that 
um, type of work. And if it is not in tune with our nature, what is naturally um, available to us, it causes conflict. It, because you may not be able to get good at that particular work because you're not, you're not uh, naturally inclined to doing that. It causes conflict in your mind, finally leading to more restlessness, right? So it comes down to that again. So uh, if, you, if you think about it, you can draw, draw it back to, can I have a peaceful, calm ease in my mind? It, it comes down to that again. Very well connected, Kishore. I loved it. Thank you. Yeah, and, and it, it superbly connects to the D's and C's and Morty and circuit theory and so on. <laughs> There's so much conflict. There was so much conflict there. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. It, just, uh, it just took me back suddenly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we were trying to figure out where was the Strodinger's cat. This side and that side are on both sides all the time. So, uh, just just kind of pivoting the discussions onto there was something mentioned in this in this in this chapter that we read about sankalpa, right? Did you did any of you catch uh, in the second paragraph what what Swamiji writes about sankalpa? You know, fourth or fifth uh, line from the bottom. You know, did anyone catch any significance out of that? That's the intent we've been talking about. I mean, not so much as we don't say it in the Sankal form, but it is the intent, which I think we've been highlighting. It's the right intent, which matters more than the task and, uh, yeah. or type of the task. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, Alpana, you said it very well. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the thing that struck me when I read that was that, you know, see, whatever we do in our daily life, right? I think there is always an intent. Sometimes it is known intent, sometimes it is unknown intent. Okay, but we do it, but, but we do it. But as we keep clarifying our intent, then our actions also become much more, more uh, flowing and easy, powerful. Okay, so maybe it, it may be difficult to clarify our intent with every action or thought that we have, but maybe at the beginning of the day, we need to figure out a intent for the day, right? Saying, okay, this is how I'm going to live my life today. Maybe, you know, that will help us to govern how we're going to make calls on that particular day, right? That's the insight that I had. Yeah. Now, even even with uh, with Chaturmasa, for example, you know, we referred to it as Sankalp. So it was not about what you can and cannot do, but more around what is the what is the idea behind behind doing it, which is what is the intent, as Alpana said. Okay. Just a quick I one. I mean, I, I I I did pick up sort of in uh, in your notes, Rajesh, about about something around the significance of Om Tat Sat, uh, which I think is at the end of that chapter. Apparently, it's not covered in Swami Dayanandaji's book, but uh, it appears it's like like a like a mother mantra. But is there sort of any more insight that anyone can share on it? I've read about it, read about it, but I don't think I've understood it very well. I'm so sorry. The Alpana or others, uh, please. So even in your notes, for example, it says that 
it talks about the significance of the mantra and that it originated from Brahmaji's mouth at the beginning of creation. So there's some some significance, which and you know in all our in all our sort of when we conclude a, a kind of a session or a closing mantra, we end up sort of saying Om Tat Sat. So I, I I I've kind of said that mindlessly several times, and I kind of sort of half understand the meaning of these three words, but I was just curious about what is the intention. But that's fine. I'll I'll kind of look it up a little more. Yeah, maybe we'll have to, at least I have to understand this a little bit more. I have not understood this at all, clearly. Yeah, I've read about so Rajesh, it. Rajesh, I... Uh-huh. Sorry, go ahead, Alta. No, I was just saying I've read about it, but I don't remember, so I don't want to take a shot at it. Because Tat and Sat, yeah, we know, but, but the linkage of it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you say that at yeah. the end, I mean, even at the end of your Om Padram, you know, you kind of finish it up with that, right? And so I yeah. kind of, I'm just curious. So we'll, we'll, you know, if anyone finds anything out, it'll be useful to hear. So, VP. So, yeah, I, I had a question, Rajesh, in the last paragraph when uh, Swamiji writes and ready to accept limitations of the mind, right? What does he mean? Because I thought the whole idea is that we are trying to become limitless. So, uh, VP, from that point of view, you know, if you look at it, ready to accept the limitation of body also, we are still accepting the limitation of the body, right? But you're still going beyond the body, isn't it? Right. So, mind is just one larger aspect of who we are. Much more largest aspect of who we are. That is who we are. Oh, I see. Okay. 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 I, I see. So, okay. Saying that, okay, the mind is ready to say that it's not the real thing. There is a thing beyond that, which is consciousness, I guess. Yeah. Right? yeah. Is that the way to think about it? Yeah, I would say that because see, the point is, you know, the moment you say, okay, oh, I'm limited by this because I don't know Chinese, for example, right? Then suddenly we start working to learn Chinese. Then you're satisfying the mind. But the point is, maybe that's not even relevant. You just accept that yes, yeah, I don't know Chinese, but that that that, that doesn't uh, take me take my who my identity is. No, but I think for me the confusion was in the next sentence when it uh, when he says that such a mind is not distinct from me. I am that mind. So that's where I was just thinking that well, are we are we referring to mind in the body mind complex or? Are we, you know, like, you know what I'm saying that, uh, or am I just misunderstanding the usage, usage of this word mind? In, in this no, I, I think, I think the way that you'll have to, and you'll have to understand, I'll go back to what Kishore keeps saying, right? The calm mind, calm mind. Calm mind is the one which does not agitate for anything. Okay. It accepts everything, you know, be it gratefully or be it, uh, you know, realizing uh, its likes and dislikes, it's just calm. So effectively, there's no coloration in it when you look at the entire universe. Whatever is presented to it, it just accepts it. And that's exactly how Bhagavan accepts it, the, the universe. And when, when the mind is that calm, like placid Manasarovar Lake, then you are automatically, you know, uh, your, your mind is no more existing for you to color. That means your ego has dropped completely. Did it make sense? Yeah, 
no what you're saying is obviously uh, makes sense but i'm i'm still not sure what what he's trying to say i mean i just find it i just found it very odd and it just stuck out to me that i don't get this that you know the, while the mind is mature simple cool rich accommodative all that sort of made sense and then ready to accept limitations but i thought the whole idea is that you are you know going beyond uh, beyond that so I, I, maybe it's just my i'm getting perhaps uh, perhaps too into the words itself i guess but yeah so uh, so uh, uh, vp let me try to explain this because i have read uh, in swami guruparananda's lecture where he talks about individuality right you look at it this way so let us say that uh, you see 10 objects in front of you okay let's say a computer uh, a chair uh, a table a tablet okay four let's say four objects so suddenly in your mind there are four knowledges knowledge of a computer knowledge of a table knowledge of a uh, tablet and knowledge of something else right now but the point is these are four distinct knowledges right that doesn't and you're suddenly excluding all the other things that are not you're not aware of but the point is you are knowledge so even if you don't know something you are still knowledge because the moment it comes into your visibility maybe you will get uh, you'll get you'll you'll get that knowledge of that particular thing okay but you are knowledge battery is going low i'll just let me just get uh, uh, my power cord what is that that's what i was wondering yeah. too it looks like a yeah. iceberg or a massive it thing. could be or it could be a a tooth or something i don't know tooth yeah i i was thinking it looks like a tooth also <laughs> i think it's the iceberg because he keeps giving that example <laughs> the <laughs> yeah Uh, i'm wondering if uh, you know ready to mind that is ready to accept limitations uh, means that you are actually recognizing your limitations so you can then you know work to uh, get beyond them i i don't know i'm just trying to yeah no i right so i think yeah i think manu that's right i think uh, um it just was tripping me to uh, you know put it in the context uh, but i think that's the best way I, even i could answer it to yeah. myself that you know with the next sentence uh, it seems to suggest that yeah. to me it seems to suggest that you are beyond you are trying to understand that your body mind limitation is you know and you are trying to get beyond that so so mind understand its own limitation because what we are are really beyond the mind right right <clears throat> so it understands its limitation but that doesn't mean that i am mind but that's what he says in the next sentence which is why i was getting tripped up again that such a mind is not distinct from me i am that mind because ishwar is everything as well <laughs> <laughs> and in that mind i will appear who understands everything right hmm 
just yesterday i heard that uh, the mind uh, in in one of the lectures uh, it just uh, was a what do you call that a revision of uh, some, some basic panda which is mind is also made of uh, the panjabhutams it's also made of basic elements so it is actually jadam or it's nothing it is really nothing it's not the true uh true thing behind the mind itself yeah need up of mallin satyam yeah okay we are at 722 and uh, since we have ashish as a guest today i wanted to uh, you know maybe uh, request ashish to uh, you know talk about his uh, you know insights what he learned from from our discussion today and uh, get some get some insights from 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 him before we go on to figuring out what we next next week and then talk about that and uh, ashish over to you some of some of the people here may not know you so maybe a short 30 second and then probably yeah in fact uh, and and thanks rajesh and friends uh, for including me uh, i may be an outsider coming in late and uh, most of you might not know me except for vp rajesh v- vp and i go back to the high school where we were together in pilani and uh, uh, i am 87 batch but i am a day scholar alpana is waving her hand i know you ashish <laughs> yeah you you know me you know me from uh, much before <laughs> we, yeah so his mom taught me so it i go back that much <laughs> <laughs> wow okay yeah so my mom used to teach uh, at the girls school balika vidyapeeth there she was a biology teacher uh, yeah so uh, 87 batch i did uh, museum studies uh, i think they they closed that branch now but it was interesting course to do from my perspective uh, and uh, then i stayed on my mom wanted me to stay on for another two years uh, so i did my uh, masters in systems and information and uh after that i landed up here in us area was working for oracle for a long time and uh, now i am with a solar energy company in us so uh, yeah i think i took more than 30 seconds for that uh, so thanks for including me and uh, the today's discussion yeah, it, it brings back a lot of things to me i have been reading a lot and listening to a lot over the last uh, 10 years and uh, i would say somewhere uh, i am in the middle of my journey uh, going back and forth making progress and then falling back uh, so it's it's a good opportunity to be part of this group and specifically about uh, this chapter as you guys were discussing uh what came to me which may not be specifically in this chapter uh but definitely looks like uh, uh, there is that aspect of uh, nature and nurture as it relates to the mix of three gunas that uh, anyone has that that's my understanding so definitely each one of us is starting at some point uh so we may may have a predominance of uh, one of these gunas where we are starting at and we are transitioning as uh, we are 
moving through the life so that's that's the nurture aspect and that, that that's i think we, what we are involved in we are nurturing each other supporting each other in moving through that journey uh, and uh, the other thing uh, about the cast which came in um, and uh, i believe it's in geeta and in other texts also i have gone through so as uh, as the god or shri shri krishna also says that take care of your dharma uh, and uh, don't uh, don't worry about any other person's dharma so uh, i believe um, dharma is about varna which is uh, we, we can also refer to it, it as as the caste uh, and uh, that that's what you are naturally inclined to and based on that you do seva so uh, so varna and seva uh, i think that that make up your dharma so a lot of things were coming to me as you guys were talking and thanks thanks for uh, triggering the brain cells and uh, i think it is definitely enhancing my my understanding so i am happy to be part of the group here and thanks rajesh for letting me in late thank you ashish you know that is well said you know i really like the way that you talked about uh, you know uh, swadharma that is very very nice very insightful and also the nature and nurture i i, I think uh, that is very beautifully said thank you for that so uh, you know we're coming to almost uh, you know 7:30 am here maybe we should uh, we will not have time to go around all those people who have been pretty silent today but uh, still you know let's see mahesh rajiv hari uh, anupama you know and uh, yeah so any thoughts comments from from you guys and before we wind wind down with the closing prayer yeah uh, rajesh i just wanted to say i mean in non vivek's point and also on vp rajesh's point one is uh, you know like today we said we are enjoying the food but actually it is the universe enjoying us it is the other way around if you actually look at it you know so uh, i mean i mean when i mean we have been it has been said that we have been connected to stars you know like our eyes are connected to sun the mind is connected to the moon like that you know i mean everything is connected to a star if we are happy we are making the entire universe happy the entire universe is actually making happy by what we are consuming you know it is not we are enjoying because uh, what the universe has provided that eh? it is actually the universe is enjoying by what we are eating it you know so we have to be grateful to what we are eating and uh, i mean uh, uh, that is my understanding is what uh, uh, is going about and secondly on the point of uh, vp rajesh's uh, uh, point on saying mind is mind uh, i mean what i want to say is if i have to create a pot as a potter i mean i take a mud external to me but when god has created this entire universe god has created from his own material you know it is not the separate material so mind is also his on his own i mean i mean his own but it with three gunas the moment three gunas are dissolved it becomes atman you know that is what i personally see it as a, a different way uh, and then saying mind is apart from me yes mind is also a part of me but with this three gunas uh, 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 no it is like a three signals red green and yellow and the moment all the three is vanish electricity is cut off and uh, you see the pure electricity within yourself 
Nice. Thank you, Mahesh. Rajiv, Shanta. Okay, so I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Gita, I think I've also heard many, you know, gurus and saints talk about uh, and what coaches call, you know, do what comes naturally to you. And, you know, nowadays, there's so much of jagran, be in the zone and you lose track of time. And that's what your swadharma is. And it's related to the varna and your propensities. And, uh, you know, and it also says, uh, and I think it's not, uh, something, you know, which is very casual because it says ki dusre ka dharam follow karna will create fear in you. I think it says something like that, you know, dusre ka dharam starts with fear and doubt. And so what I'm saying is figuring, uh, figuring out what's your varna or what's your swadharma, you know, I think it's uh, not easy. So I'm just saying it's a paradox because if it is so critical, that I'm not, I'm supposed to do only that and trying to do something else will not only create dissonance inside me and make me unhappy, but it is also adharma in some way. But, you know, having dabbled a little bit with psychometric testing and, you know, and Rajesh, I also called you, remember the first time, how to figure out one's purpose. I think it's not that easy. And I think Ajay or someone was talking, it keeps changing, you know, and, uh, you know, I when I was running an education startup, you know, I had hired uh, two reasonably, you know, sort of uh, thorough uh, psychologists. And uh, I can tell you when we used to do psychometric testing in a, uh, you know, in very, very controlled environment, because they say if you do that test, you know, in, the, in an uncontrolled environment, you might get some different results. But still, you know, uh, I used to say as one of the dictates in my company here that you see engineer ko doctor mat bana dena. You know, somebody who's destined to be and vice versa, you know. But I can tell you, you know, we also made some mess. <laughs> I can confess, you know, that. Uh, so I am, I, and I'm just, it's a comment. There's no, I don't want to, you know, it's already so late. I'm saying it's too critical, but I really wish there was a way to figure it out, you know, and MBTI and, you know, there are several others, uh, such tests, you know, Strength Finder is another one and, many others and career ladder, you know, one of the HBS professors, you know, and then, you know, Howard Gardner theory of multiple intelligence. So there are many things, but it's not so easy. So that's all I wanted to say. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's like a journey. You have to keep finding out. But what worries me is, it's been just 30 years since I've been working, not too much. And I just want to, rest of Baki is okay. <laughs> I just want to leave it there. <laughs> it's a Mahesh's point. 30 years is nothing for the universe. Well said, Rajiv. Uh, I have Shanta and Anupama still. Uh, just want to hear from them before. No, the three gunas in my opinion. I was thinking about like what comes out of your mouth. Uh, even if we if we have to train our mind and, and that that comes. It is the, the previous chapter talks about programming programming your child or anything like that at this age like we have to program ourselves to be <laughs> like more sattvic and uh, then then uh, what comes out of your mouth also is is more uh, <laughs> nicer than what we were before that was one takeaway for me Absolutely, uh, Shanta. And actually, programming on a white sheet would have been easier. But unfortunately, we had to you know, remove all the lots of old stuff and then program it back. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy. 
but yeah. i think we can get there <laughs> yeah absolutely anupama no i second what shanta is saying programming yes but it's also a lot of practicing like you've got to mm-hmm. conscious be conscious about it constantly so like i think where we discussed that a little earlier too like you know initially you need to remind yourself then it becomes second nature to you and um, and so that that i think is something that we need to remember not get disheartened which i often you know when you feel you can't you need to keep reminding myself that no it will come but i just need to be patient and persevere mm-hmm. yeah i agree with you and i think that is well said anupama and shanta and i think maybe you know i connected back to what rajiv was talking about you know 30 years and figure out naiva sudarma i think there is a escape class given by krishna in that you know and krishna says keep doing your whatever that you are doing right now with the ishwar arpana buddhi and figure out your class sunday or the other so with that uh, you know it doesn't really matter what we're doing we just accept it as an as a offering to the god and uh, you know let him let him show us the path right so with that maybe you know the most appropriate uh, mantra that we have to close our uh, uh, session today is this is the shanti mantra that we've been trying to learn so you know i really wish that you know we could, we could have spent a little bit more time going through one one uh, uh, one line at a time and repeat it together but again we are running short of time today i really want to stop at 720 and then you know sp- spend 10 minutes to do that but uh, let's do it like what we did last time and i'm going to uh, chant this and uh, each one of you will chant twice and uh, then we can close this okay i'm starting om bhadram karne bhishrunu yama deva भद्रम पश्येमाक्षिर्यजत्रुवागुंसस्तनूभि व्यशेम देवहित यदायु स्वस्तिन इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति नूषा विश्वेदा स्वस्ति नस्ताक्षरिष्ट 
ಸ್ವಸ್ತಿನೋಹಸ್ಪತಿರ್ದು ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಸರ್ವೇ ಜನ ಸುಖಿನೋಂತು thank you every thank you very much everyone so one point that i want to tell you uh, about this uh, the chanting right which i've been learning uh, you know you know if you look at uh, some of these words right like the second bha or the second dha you know we have to specifically emphasize saying that for example for this one like the badram what we have here we should not say badram we should say badram the bha should be you know what they call it as uh, mahaprana which is deep sound and this da should not be pronounced as dha it should be pronounced as dram bhadram okay it's not bhadram no it's bhadram so please you know try to let's try to learn that i struggle with this but i'll tell you it's very powerful when you learn this uh, in the right way thank you so much everyone enjoy your weekend and next week we'll do the last closing chapter and uh, please watch out for a short note from me what next after this on the whatsapp we will not discuss it now because of lack of time but please uh, watch out so we will conclude this book and i'm so happy that we will we will conclude it thank you so much everyone thank you thank you hariyo hariyo thank you everyone hariyo hariyo thank you hariyo